Welcome to the Pseudobook Podcast. This is episode nine. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Edwards. And this is his brother, Justin. And we're broadcasting or recording, uh, live recording, here in Denver at my apartment because Justin's driving through town. We're F2F. Is this the first time we've been face-to-face for one of these? <laughs> Since like the old edition of the podcast. Since 2006. Um, What's cool about this is, well, we don't have a guest this week, but we do have some topics we want to talk about. Talk about movies. Yeah. We're treating each other as the guest. We're hoping we can ring enough out of the movies of 2014. So maybe we'll just jump right into it. Um, What have you seen in 2014? Is anything any good so far? Well, uh, by my latest tally this year, I have seen... This is not a joke. I've seen 111 movies. That were released this year? No. Oh, But just general movie viewing habits. Just to give you a sense of, like, my palate as far as I just consume all movies and then I decide what I like. Um, But in the theaters, I've seen, I think it was, like, 26 or 27. Okay. That actually came out this year. I've seen about 10 in theaters or 12 movies that came out this year because they released so quickly to home streaming. Yeah. Which, as soon as I have a house with a big enough theater system, that'll take away from everything except like the most blockbuster of movies that I feel like I really got to go to the theater for. I agree. I think the window shrinks more and more every movie, too, and soon enough it will be day and date kind of VOD well, there was, stuff. Did you see that Christopher Nolan article where he was talking about what, how he thought theaters were going to change? Yeah. And he seemed to think there's still a place for the theater, like... Most people aren't going to build a world-class sound system, let alone a good screen yeah. at home, because all their TVs are going to have the stupid smooth vision turned on. But, <laughs> oh, no. But at least that's a guy where his movies seem worth seeing in theaters. Yeah, he's creating his stuff to be there. And that, I, I agree with him, and I don't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing just the latest indie comedy at my home. Like, I don't have to go to a movie theater for that. You yeah, know? there's movies where, like, the... The experience is, it's really important to have the most immersive possible experience. And then there's plenty of stuff where you can get by with a good experience. Like, I don't think either of us have bad TVs at home. Right. And I have a decent pair of speakers hooked up to mine, so it doesn't sound real tinny or anything. But it's obviously nowhere near what a theater does, but it's also not $12 to watch something. Yeah. $12 each to watch something. And I think that goes to say also for what movies I would watch again at home, like to go to the theaters for those big sound design visual experiences, I reserve that for the theaters and I don't even want to watch that in my home is kind of my approach. Like, you know, I'll see like, I mean, I just saw Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a movie I would only watch at theaters. Like I don't want to like sit there and stream it and then be like, Oh, this probably sounded pretty cool in a theater. But you know, it's going to be like currently Iron Man is the movie that seems to be on TV constantly. Yeah. It's going to be that movie that's on TV all the time. And it (laughs) suffers for it too. You can tell, like you just don't feel as, I don't know, at least me anyways, I don't feel into it. I don't like have an investment as much as I do good television, which doesn't do the spectacle stuff. Yeah, do you wish you could see good television in theaters? <laughs> it's, I mean, of course I do. <laughs> it's a very interesting concept. Like, I like the idea of, like, thinking about that, like, in light of, like, it's just kind of been a great year for TV anyways, but, like, if True Detective or Fargo or something, like, what if they put that in the theaters 
a so new True episode Detective every was week. This year, wasn't it? Yeah, February. It feels like it was older because like maybe it just was so good. I'm like, I couldn't have just experienced it. But I would totally go to a theater to watch every week to watch the next episode. I think that'd be a, a blast. But um, you wouldn't pay twelve bucks a week to go watch. No, it. I think it would have to be some kind of subscription. Like you paid for this series. Yeah, you paid fifty bucks and you get to come back over and over. Or yeah, something. no, I think that'd be fun. Like this new, uh, like I was mentioning, Soderbergh's new series. We saw the pilot episode in theaters, and it looked really great. Sounds great because you know that Soderbergh cares about that stuff too. Even if you don't like his stuff, he makes excellently made movies. Uh, that's a series I would totally watch in theaters too because that also. To me, watching a movie or hearing a story be told in a theater is what draws me in more so than I can at my house. Um, so I would totally watch TV in theaters. I think it'd be a so. Fun you mentioned idea. like buddy comedy or just random comedies being safe to just watch at home. Are there any other genres of like not not because they're not as good and so you don't want to spend the money, but like actual genres that are like eh, watch it on the TV. Any drama, that's for sure. Um, you know, I mean, you just think of temple movies, comic books, superheroes, sci-fi epics. Like, like yeah, save those for the theaters. Um, but then I, I'm also a, like a fan of cinematography of like a slow, like greatly done drama where you can recognize like, oh, that probably is so much even more immersive in a theater. Where like, you know, for instance, one of the movie I just saw last week was Calvary. Um, it's one of the most beautiful movies I've seen all year too. It was shot by the guy who did Only God Forgives. Is that the? I don't. Um, I didn't see that one. Um, I thought it was a garbage movie, but it was one of the best looking movies I've ever seen. It was uh, Ryan Gosling, oh, yeah. you know, beating up people in Thailand. Um, the movie without talking. <laughs> and the actress from the movie said it was too violent for her daughter. Yeah. It's like the most beautiful violence you've ever seen. Like he takes it to <laughs> like, it's gorgeous movie. And he, so this guy, like I would see anything, this cinematographer shoots, I would want to see in the theater. Like for instance, if you're that kind of a student yeah. of film like me. Um, but like, yeah, I would watch Calvary at home and I wouldn't get as into it as it did in the theater because I love being wrapped up and also that visual experience. Is there anything that maybe immersive is the wrong word, but where you're like, for this kind of thing, you're supposed to watch it on a couch with lights on and like other stuff going on. Like, where is that? <laughs> is that for your sitcoms only, or like, yeah, it's TV sitcoms. Like the the proper experience. Like, I don't want to watch Seinfeld in a theater, but mm-hmm. like, what is there anything besides sitcom or like? Really, it just seems TV like stuff. very broad stuff that you don't have to pay like attention you, you to. You kind of want, yeah, you want the, yeah, the atmosphere of like, yeah, I'm on my phone and I'm eating some food and stuff's yeah. happening. And that's how I watch a lot of like, I'd say movies like, now on Netflix is like, I'll just put this on and I'll I'll passively watch it while I'm doing other yeah. stuff. Um, I could see like live sports. I wouldn't want to go to a theater for. No, I gotta have that. Hopefully, you want to be at home or a really comfortable bar restaurant type situation. Yeah, I would feel trapped if I was in the theater. Yeah, just be like, you're. (laughs) It's a timeout, and then people are getting up all the time, and it's just like, it'd be strange. And they do it. I'm sure you go watch the Super Bowl in the theater somewhere. But uh, no, I think something that is fit for homes, like I said, for visual and oral experiences, you know, movies that don't that aren't about that are those like indie dramas and comedies mm-hmm. where it's like we shot this in an apartment cause we could and it was free and it's funny. It's a good story, but like 
I don't need to see it in a theater because I'm not, I don't need the perfect sound system and visual experience of that movie. And I can still enjoy it at home because I'm just about the characters. And that's something you can get from your TV, I think. Yeah. As TV is proving. It also seems like TV has been trying for a couple years now to try to do the tablet second screen thing. And I, I'm not impressed. <laughs> no, like I don't understand why you would want to have somebody's attention in different places <laughs> anyway. I think as a movie maker, I would not want that to be encouraged either. I'm like, no, pay attention to what you I'm You wouldn't shot. want a, a synchronized tablet displaying something yeah, else. I don't want <laughs> the live tweeting experience for my stuff. I don't, like, it seems like you can't have that until you just have the holodeck, because then it's just like, oh, you're just in it. <laughs> yeah, but that's you see it, though. Every week there's some... Some actors live tweeting a show they're on just to like engage the audience. And I'm like, you realize like you're asking your fans to not pay attention to the show for like 30% of it while they're like texting or reading updates. What about at midnight? <laughs> well, and then that just takes it to a whole new level. Like that's the format. Of course that works. But um, no, it's just really interesting to see how this all continues to move forward as we kind of like take these baby steps towards like, what if we tried this now? And you know, 10 years from now, it's going to be an insanely different I think I experience. Like, well, that's an interesting contrast because, like, I brought up live sports earlier. I do like seeing what everyone else is saying during a yeah, live I sports event. Yeah, I love seeing somebody make fun or, of somebody messing you know, Reddit will have a thread during every sports season and just, like, as a game goes on, something really embarrassing. Or you catch that weird thing in the crowd and you're like, I wonder if someone on Reddit saw yeah, it too. And they have they a gif of it. And you're like, yes, <laughs> that guy was doing a it somersault. It definitely works for that, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious. I think there's a way, there would be eventually a way to craft your content on purpose to engage audiences like that. I mean, not like so far as like, oh, it's a choose your own adventure TV show where we're taking tweet votes or something. But like, it feels like there's some kind of interactive experience that's fun. And I think like At Midnight is yeah. one of these kind of leading the way. Like, look what else we can do. So let's talk a bit about the movies of 2014 so far. So maybe I'll just go down my list and you can fill in with stuff that you've seen a lot more than me. But just get some rapid fire takes on what you thought. Lego movie. Loved it. Super fun. Yeah. Agree. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, I wanted to see it again also just because I haven't seen it a second time, but I, I feel like I missed a lot of jokes too. Cause I do. Their, their theme song gets stuck in my head all the time. <laughs> of course. Like people just have to say everything is awesome and then the rest of the day I'm, I'm stuck. Yeah, I think there's a lot of references and jokes also hidden in there that we miss too, I think would help from a second viewing. I was happy to see it turn out so well because they're, they have so many video games and their video games have little cutscenes and the cutscenes are hilarious. Mm hmm. And the games. I are watched pretty, all the Star Wars Lego movies. They're great. Yeah, super funny. The games are boring because they're they're made for kids in their infinite life bore fest where you just kind of run through and collect mm -hmm. way too many blocks. But yeah, those fun for like ten minutes. If it was like an arcade, I would play it for a quarter. But I'm not going to buy it. And yeah, not like GI Joe arcade where you get an hour <laughs> out of a quarter. Um, oh, here we go. Yeah, but Lego movies definitely. And that was the guys. They did the meatball movie. The Cloudy with cloudy the Chance Meatballs. They did both of oh, those. I didn't see those, but I heard they were always pretty First good. First one was really good and witty. Second one was trying to, but it was actually not that good. Okay. Um, that was on my list of the second one we watched this year. Uh, it looks like they got Lego movies, so let's hurry up and finish this one so we can go do Lego movies. But then they do 21 Jump Street movies as well, yeah. so it's interesting. Um, next on my list was a movie that I 
I wasn't expecting it to be like an art film or something like transcendently good, but I wanted just a satisfying... Not like transcendence. No, not oh, transcendence. Okay. Um, Three Days to Kill, which was... I don't remember who directed, but it was, the screenplay was worked on by Luke Besson, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Besson, or however you say his name. He's, yeah, he's the king of like premises. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Let's just make it. And, and part of the 2013-2014 Kevin Costner comeback, because he's in every single movie now. Yeah. I um, mean, Superman was probably a better comeback for him, but... <laughs> uh, well, I had... We don't have to talk about Superman, but why... I didn't have a problem with him in Superman. No, yeah. But there were some issues I had with that movie. Anyway, Three Days to Kill, I was disappointed. I was... It was, it was just kind of middling. Like, it didn't... It didn't fully invest in his hitman life of making that really cool and fun, and it didn't invest in drama of family. It was just kind of, well, there's both of these things, and there it is. Yeah, I was interested in it because he made another serial killer movie called Mr. Brooks, like back oh, in Oh, that like movie was 06. pretty good. And so I thought, like, going into it, I would think, Dane oh... Cook notwithstanding. Exactly. <laughs> what, why was he? Um, but I was like, oh, look, it's Kevin Costner going to do kind of like another grittier, kind of darker movie for him, but then... I don't know. It is what it is. The other characters in the Hitman world were just strange and didn't... There was too much of them and yet not enough interesting. Mm -hmm. Like the the girl that's stringing him along on all these jobs. She's like weird and dresses wacky, but there's nothing (laughs) to her. So I just was... Anyway, I was just disappointed. Just because, yeah. Uh, Captain America. (laughs) Number two. I I was happy with that movie. I was totally okay with it. Um, I thought, like, the only thing I had was, like, I felt like you probably could have found 20 minutes to lose and it would have been even smoother yeah, experience. I did get, like, a little bored sometimes. because It, it just, seems like this happens in all the Marvel movies now, is they're so concerned with dropping hints of their other movies that they kind of <laughs> pad things out with, like, here's a character that's not important in this really movie. It feels really padded, yeah. And I'm like, oh, but that's not servicing the story that I'm following intimately. Yeah, so. and, like, you know, wait for that story for that character. Yeah, but and I guess, I mean, it's... The, the only other thing I had is uh, Samuel L. Jackson's uh, secret... That's all you need to know. <laughs> his secret office is on the top floor that you take a glass <laughs> elevator up to. So he has, like, you don't why, need to... Why, why, why? Well, there's going to be an epic shootout in an elevator. Oh, okay. Then the, it's okay. The government doesn't have to subpoena a list of who he's met with because they just point a camera at it and they know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they haven't been watching that elevator at all, I guarantee um, But no, it's good. I love Chris Evans. And he's why I like the next movie here is Snowpiercer. Um Super great. Like, I will watch Chris Evans and everything. I feel like we're watching him develop, too. Like, yeah. you've seen the different sides of him lately, especially, like, if you go back to, like, Scott Pilgrim, you're like, oh, wait, he's really funny. Yeah. And then, like, getting more into... I forgot like, he was in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, he's one of the funniest, like, guys he when has When I've to read fight. that, he's sort of like, I'm sick of acting. I want to direct. I want to do other he stuff. He is directing. And, he's got his next thing already going. Um, Snowpiercer, that's an interesting one, just to describe, because not everyone has heard of it. Though it's sort of becoming the buzz, like, lesser yeah, known it, movie. Yeah, internet, that, you've heard of Snowpiercer. The movie you've never heard of that everyone's heard of, but... <laughs> um, the world's in a new ice age because people were stupid and destroyed the environment, and there's this magic train that circles the earth, and that's where the only people left alive are inside that train. And yeah, it's another premise movie, and then let's explore it, interestingly. Uh, yeah. And, it, I mean, technically it's a foreign film with a bunch of Americans in it. Yeah, it's a French or South Korean director with a French writer. The story's by... Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but super like I mean, it's kind of got its own bizarre quirkiness to it that will catch you off guard. Like I know I was like halfway through, I was like, this is one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen, but it's also really fun so about it. At the risk of maybe setting some people up, it is sort of a twist movie. But I think it's yeah. it has to be appreciated not for the the reveal because I, I I wasn't that into the Truman. reveal <laughs> <laughs> even though I love Ed Harris yeah but I th- I appreciated a lot of other things about the film more than that aspect of it yeah no I didn't have really any issue with that other than I mean no no issue with that but just. It's just a strange experience. Like it, people have buzzed about it forever, and it's different and unique, and that's what I loved about it. I do it. think the further away from it I get, the more I appreciate the the world building and the the interesting, like what they eat and like the different train cars and the different environments. And yeah, I very like I couldn't help but thinking of Final Fa- Final Fantasy VII the whole time. Yeah, because I, I feel like there's a lot of like train and class struggle stuff, and like exploring these themes, you know, of, of making your way to the front to change things but yeah um, no it was good i definitely would recommend it tilda swinton being weird <laughs> um and what's her name from newsroom i didn't even know she was in it and she like oh yeah off the, guard. oh she bothers me in newsroom. Pill. She's just freaking out the whole time yeah she was also in scott pilgrim um but i i don't know her. i didn't even know she was in it i'm like whoa she's okay so, <laughs> scott pilgrim always was. surprised so next on our list is Godzilla. I'll try to bring everything back to Scott Pilgrim. So did you, you saw Godzilla, right? I did see Godzilla, What yeah. was your take on that? Every <laughs> moment I watched that I was awake, I liked. <laughs> you fell asleep? I have a thing now where on these big movies with like extended action sequences, I fall asleep during those 20 minutes. Like I have Guardians of okay. the Galaxy, I so kind of did too. That's interesting that you, you basically dozed through the action sequences because... One thing I really appreciate about the Godzilla Just movies... Just the last one, but yeah. Yeah. One thing I really liked about Godzilla was they kind of like skimmed through the city destruction scenes. Like Honolulu or whatever, whatever big Hawaiian city they're at gets torn apart, but they kind of just like, yeah, but then they started swimming to the mainland. Yeah, moving and on. And I was like, oh yeah, because humans don't matter. These are giant <laughs> creatures and they don't care. Like, yeah, I appreciate it. The too. the monsters are trying to mate to make more, and Godzilla is just like, oh, mm-hmm. damn you guys, you woke me up for this. Yeah, like, okay. So I love Godzilla the character. I think what bogged me down in that movie was the human drama stuff. Yeah, it I was so like I would rather watch just Godzilla. <laughs> like I just like drunk, sleepy Godzilla is angry that he got woken up by these stupid humans to deal with this, <laughs> <laughs> and the monsters like trying to establish themselves yeah let's watch a guy who's got to get home to his wife and kid and his dad sacrificed himself like it's very yeah like, it was now i'm supposed to care but the, actually I the don't. movie tried hard for the father son and the 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 long play on their family history with this but i wasn't really moved by any of that it was just I, get me back to that stuff yeah <laughs> So maybe next time they won't feel like they have to. Oh, they're always going to spit. It's like sort of like the other characters in Pirates of the Caribbean when you just want to see Johnny Depp. Yeah, I mean, that's the, okay. what's going to happen with these. I don't care about Keira Knightley. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I, I think that movie is like a B for me. Like, good movie. Yeah, I had fun. I, it was worth entry, so I didn't have any complaints. I was And I was actually pleasantly surprised because I was like, eh, it's Godzilla. But people were saying it was good enough that I would go. 
And it looks like the movie did well enough that what's his name is going to get to do another one. Yep, I'm already working on it. So let's hope that is good instead of bad. More Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> less every other sequel. <laughs> exactly. So keeping the blockbuster, apparently all I saw this year were big blockbusters. Yeah. X Men: Days You're of Future Past. Leaning to the theory that you only go to movies for these. So, uh, but X Men, yeah. I saw this, too, especially a part of the experience of going to theater. I saw this in the Vista Theater mm-hmm. in Los Feliz. It's one of my favorite theaters in the world. Um, and it's one of the best places to see a movie like this. And everybody loves it, and you have a good time. Um, do they cheer and clap? They do, yeah. But I feel like with a comic book movie, it's For an it's X-Men, okay. I'm expecting it, yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed this and knowing that I'm not going to go back and question anything about the time travel because that's not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> but, because and I was really confused at the end, like what did Wolverine do for those 30 years or whatever? And they don't really say either. Um, yeah. but I think, and as I walked out, I mean, that's what I told who I went with. It was like that scene is going to be one of like the most famous scenes in cinema. Everyone will always remember um, Silver Surfer running around. Is it so yeah, running around that room and pushing bullets. I do out think of the that's way. what I was going to call out. Um, is I don't know the whole film. I might have been. I don't even know if it's my favorite X Men film, but that sequence was impressive. It was amazing. It was like you knew that they were so excited when they came up with it and like it, they executed it perfectly. Do you perfectly. think it's like on the level of The Matrix when it came out in terms of like whatever you think of the movie, this sequence is so impressive. That Yeah, it's something I would tell people, even if you don't like X-Men movies, go to see this scene because it's like it's one of the memorable ones. I will never forget it and always like think of it. And if I could find it, if that movie's on, I will go like, watch it for that scene and then turn it off. Because yeah. it's so fun. Yeah. Um, so re- uh, earlier this year, me and Shelby went through all the X Men movies, and okay, I, in my head bef- <laughs> before we did that, I had a ranking in my head that I thought I liked the f- uh, first class best. Yeah, I feel like I do. And then the first X Men movie, and then downhill right. from there. Yeah. Um, and I actually was surprised that I didn't like First Class as much as I thought I did. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I haven't seen it since I might then. put it below... I just like Fassbender and... I do Nakamura. like them a lot, but I don't know. It, it just dragged more for me, but... Um. I liked... And I think that's why I liked this one, was that I like seeing them tie that together and like kind of bridge that. Um, I do think the, the stuff in the future... Was pointless and it didn't need to be. Was, I think that's <laughs> what makes this one not quite a, the greatest one to me. If... If somehow it was just another old story, like just have us be in the past and just have Wolverine show up yeah. and be like, you will not believe. I would have loved to go along with that and go like, what is he talking about? Let's find out. And it doesn't have else. to be a full on, do you believe him or not thing, but just like force us to not, I don't know. But and yeah, and to have created this arbitrary like, oh, also there's a time limit on the future that we're going to keep cutting to just because why else did we have the future scenes if there wasn't going to be some drama <laughs> yeah. there? So, uh, yeah, I could have done without the whole future thing and would have well, I just it. I guess they just didn't have anything to do. They were just they were the, the bomb, the clock ticking. That's yeah. all it was, is to provide... It's like the main top level of Inception were them, basically. Yeah, kind of exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so... But, uh, no, it was fun. The next one's really fun, too. <laughs> Go ahead and bring it in. Um, the movie I thought 
Every, more than normal people liked because they got to see Tom Cruise die over and over again. <laughs> they got to see him be a wimp. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, Edge of Tomorrow, I had a total blast. That's like one of the funnest movies, times I've had at movies in a while, too. Um, it was just like completely always, you know, surprised and didn't know it would be that funny. And yeah, I had a blast. Yeah, really satisfying to see where they would take. Like they did a good job of right when you were about to get bored of the repetition, the the path he took would evolve, and there'd be some new stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And I think they they paced it really well because it could have been way too much repetition. You would just get bored. Yeah, to me and, and Juliet and I talk about it too is one of the best edited movies. Like it has to be perfectly carefully edited. Because they have to remind you of things that have been repeated and sometimes they change the perspective on them or he's yeah. on a different path but you see something from the old path from the new view and yeah, that is... So careful. Like they probably had some insane like diagram of all the yeah. different times and what we've seen. Uh, and I really like that. It's genius. Yeah. And just uh, great performances all around. Yeah. Performances. Um, okay, well, switching away from blockbusters. Now, enough of those. <laughs> um, the Ebert documentary. Mike saw a drama this year, guys. <laughs> yeah, Sussan wasn't based on a comic book or graphic novel. <laughs> um, Life Itself, the Roger Ebert documentary. I have to confess, I... Halfway through, I did start multitasking a little bit. <laughs> so you watched it at home? Yeah, I watched it at home. Okay, I watched it in theaters, um, so I couldn't. I loved, I, I love seeing some of the, the Chicago stuff, like the really Chicago-specific stuff. Yeah, I liked learning all that I didn't know about him. Before he stopped drinking his bar days of just like yelling and telling stories and singing with random people. Yeah. Um, and just sort of hearing what other critics... I think... I really like seeing Scorsese talk about when he got rated really badly by Ebert. Yeah. On I forget which film it was, but Yeah, he credits Ebert for starting his career with his first movie, but then he's like, but then later he came back and he hated this movie, whatever. But then he also talked about like in the middle of his career when he was like hating himself and was coked up and was like ready to quit and uh Siskel and Ebert invited him to some award ceremony or just yeah, like, like, no, you're amazing. Yeah. And just yeah, those uh, that's like mo- were my favorite parts of the the movie, and I think that just showed how Ebert really wanted to be. He was part of film. He wasn't just standing off to the to be critical. Yeah, from shouting the at it. He was deeply involved with it. Yeah, but I was also just came away frustrated that I wanted to see a movie that celebrated his life, and it does do that, but that didn't kind of like focus so much on like, Oh, but guys, he got sick and got really gross looking and died. But yeah. like, there was such a focus on that. We're like, and the life of Ebert and what he did, that was like the last few years. I understand. But like so much of the movie was about like, ah, what a tragedy. <laughs> yeah. For me, they only spent like a few minutes on his, uh, at that conference in Boulder where he do cinema interruptus yeah, or whatever. Stuff like that. I'd love to have like an hour of that. Cause <laughs> yeah, Maybe I can just find that on YouTube, but just like, that's fascinating. Just crowdsourced. Let's go through, let's watch a movie and then spend the rest of the week going through it slowly. Yeah. Like I wanted to find more charting the course of how he fell in love with movies and what he, his convictions were about what makes good cinema or not. And like, cause he does have those and he has written about those and like he talks about why we love these movies and why we go and stuff. 
But it was like, any chance we get, let's cut back to the hospital and show how gross he is. And I just was like, no, let's like continue celebrating him. Maybe it's just because it's the first one after his death. Because I wonder we'll find like, another one that's... all the first Steve Jobs things that came out were terrible. Oh, gosh. Not just Ashton Kutcher's, but... <laughs> Like the first book, like the official, like uh, the one with the chin, Isaacson. Yeah, the it's just called Steve Jobs or something. <laughs> I don't remember what it was. All I remember is the chin grab because I've seen it every. Yeah, <laughs> and like by like I haven't read the whole thing, but all every Apple editor blogger person I've read about is just like, yeah, this wasn't a good document <laughs> or good biography document. So maybe it's sort of like someone 10 years from now will nail it for Ebert. Yeah, and they should, because it deserves it. Okay, the, the most recent Which... one, the big one, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Ah! <laughs> Is this going to be the billion-dollar movie this year? <laughs> well, let's do the math. It made almost 100 this weekend. Yeah. It'll do a billion? Yeah, it'll make it like, seems like 700 the rest of the overseas. world will love it, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, and I saw it and I had fun with it. I did get a little sleepy during the video game starship battle scene at the end, like I usually do, but yeah, that was a little worrisome, a little, uh, episode one Star Wars (laughs) risk. Um, and that's always what I say when I come out of these epic things with CGI stuff is like, I go, you know, I'm still more moved always by seeing George Lucas blow up like model ships than I am of like, oh, you just hired 100 animators to do this on their computer. Um, But no, I mean, I had a really good time. I thought it was really funny. Everybody did great. Um, My only problem was I thought the bad guy was a cardboard cutout. I want to kill that planet just because. And I know like everybody's like, the comics are great. They explain, and he's such a great character. I'm like, yeah, but this is a movie, and they didn't explain it in the movie. I think that's my biggest problem with the movie is before, at, toward the end of the movie, when they were going to destroy the planet with the Infinity Stone, I was just like, wait, why does he want to do that? I, why? Nobody knows. What they, is his motive? Is he just angry? Did some, like... He's angry. And, like, for me, if you're going to want to destroy a planet, like, to go that far with your messed up psychology of what's worth doing for what you care about, like, he, I think you're an idiot if you come to that conclusion. I feel like I wanted him to be, like, like smarter about it. you at least it. have to give me a backstory, like, his planet was destroyed <laughs> by those people or yeah. something. Well, yeah, that's basically the backstory, and there's some political, like, whatever Well, they did a really thing. bad job of explaining No, that. you don't get anything from it. You're just like, er, I'm angry. I want to destroy a planet. <laughs> it's a shame because Lee Pace is... Wasted. Exactly what I thought. I'm like, Lee Pace is great. Whenever I see him on a movie, I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Juliet couldn't recognize him. I'm like, that's Lee Pace. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah. And his his voice is bad. so commanding. <laughs> yeah, in this movie, but also every like whatever character he is, his voice is just magical. So, yeah, yeah. I watch him in anything too. So. Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah, I mean, I give it like a B plus. I had a blast, and I just someday they'll make the bad guy as smart too. Like, I feel like Loki and uh, Avengers is makes that a better movie to me because I like Loki and I think yeah. you get to know him um, a lot more. Do you feel more. some thunder has been stolen because you probably wanted to do a raccoon character at some point <laughs> in your career? <laughs> I can't help that. Um, but yeah, man, Brad Cooper was great too and all the Groot stuff. <laughs> I need that guy's eye. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. Yeah, his no, eye. I can't even say it without laughing. Yeah, um, definitely one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah, it was super fun. I'm um, actually surprised that 
almost every character except, I guess, Zoe Saldana doesn't get to be very funny because movies don't let women be funny, yeah. I guess. But nope. every other of the heroes gets to be funny in their own way. Yeah, completely. And yet they're completely different. So I think that's kind of yeah, remarkable. Yeah, he did a great job watching Firefly a lot and then <laughs> infusing it into this script. I saw a, a comic we'll have to put in the show notes where yeah. someone's like, oh, it's amazing, they got this ragtag sci-fi crew of... Like funny, like they're, outlaws, they're badasses, and like they're not just they're not evil, but they're not good either. And they crack in jokes. It's like, oh, you mean Firefly? And the guy gets thrown out of the window. <laughs> <laughs> we need that TV show back. But even the women got to be funny in Firefly. Yeah. Um, Nathan Fillion plays the role in Guardians of the Galaxy. Really? He's well. He's in. I don't know if CGI costume. He plays. I think it's the first big guy in the jail that they come up to. Oh. Huh. Um, but I, you look at the credits, like, Nathan Fillion, okay. I missed that. Yeah, I, I saw totally Rob Zombie in the credits list. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, random, and throw them in there. Vin Diesel with one line. Yep. <laughs> and Glenn Close. I kept expecting something to happen with Glenn Close. I, like, she's a twist, right? She's actually... Oh. I can't not see Cruella DeVille, <laughs> even though I don't think I ever saw 101 Dalmatians live action. <laughs> even if you watch her movies from like the 70s, when she hasn't been it yet, you're like, oh, it's a young Cruella DeVille. <laughs> she just hasn't gotten she rich yet and wanted dogs. <laughs> Give me Maybe dogs. she's not old enough yet. <laughs> yeah. So, great movie. I don't, I don't, I take issue with some of the blogs I've read that are like, Pretending it's reinvented too the much genre. praise, yeah, too overhyped. Um, it's um, just a really great execution of a good template. Yeah, they did good, but it is more Firefly than Star Wars to me. Definitely, oh, completely. They're like to hunting... call out a certain Twitter conversation we have our own podcast. <laughs> Templates, just, just don't sigh. Oh no, I'm going to tweet this to him. <laughs> um, I don't know about this next one. <laughs> This one, did it actually come out this year? Yeah, I yeah, saw it, it in theaters. Okay, nonstop. Just Liam Neeson, just for him alone. So from the trailer, all I wanted out of this was taken on a plane, or, you know, equivalently satisfying uh, him kicking ass. Yeah. And I think you liked this one a little more than I did, or were more okay with it. Is that accurate to yeah, say? Yeah, I think so, based on what you said. But I was, I don't know, it was like, it was very muddling, like, oh, he's alcoholic, and he's sad, and it just kind of didn't do anything that resonated with that. It just sort of, no, like, it just, it was just it like, he's front. a sad guy. Oh, <laughs> terrorists. And then another case of this stupid villain who that explains himself rapidly down. in 10 seconds right before dying. Yeah. Like, oh, because then people won't trust America anymore. And it didn't make a lick of sense. <laughs> Um, I can't explain why I choose to like let my brain shut off for some movies and just like them, and why I don't get annoyed at others. Well, um, I guess this one just because I just like, I was like, fine. I'm like, I just want to see Liam Neeson do stuff. He didn't um, do much. He just, no, he but kept I wanted him to the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> and then, yeah, I felt a little dragged out with the cell phone texty stuff, which was yeah. like, don't make any more movies where you put texts on the t- movie screen because only Sherlock's allowed to do it. <laughs> Ugh. But, so, okay, whatever. <laughs> so to bring us back to a totally different genre, Wes Anderson came out with a movie this That's year. That's right, he did. And 
Some with, people might fancy themselves to be tired of him, but Rafe, it was a great movie. Rafe Fiennes. How is he? He felt like he had been in his movies all along. I know. <laughs> he's like fit right in yeah. there. Like, oh, the, yeah. He was in Tenenbaums, right? He's no. been in these things. <laughs> like a glove. He slides in there and it's like, okay, he nails it. Um, yeah, I just visual feast super funny all the time like for me his funniest movie wes anderson's funniest movie like he embraced that we're making a classic comedy here so i was talking to my friend who was visiting earlier this weekend about wes anderson movies and i feel like as we've watched him grow as a filmmaker for me personally it used to be like rushmore is the best wes anderson movie and i don't know if i still think that do you or did you or do you I've always had a hard time ranking them because the more I watch any others, the more I like those. Like I've seen Life Aquatic a couple times the last couple years. That one has been a Each grower. One that movie really gets better for me. Darjeeling, I didn't like the first time. The second time, I really liked, and then the third time, I was like, okay, I'm really going along with this. And then I <laughs> stole the movie script idea for Detective, Detective, Detective. So um, that was easy. But no, this one I think was the first Wes Anderson movie too that I just instantly loved. Always, I didn't have to like try to justify like, oh, it, it is good. It's Wes Anderson, and then like discover yeah. why I liked it later. The diorama sets, the yeah, the weird violence, the yeah, it's all definitely. You could see him working in the the animation style of Fantastic Mr. Fox into some of the chases, and yeah. even the the like the was it a museum that what's his name got followed through by Will yeah, Defoe. Yeah, Will Defoe hunts him down there. And Jeff Goldblum. Um, yeah, and like, so, so just coming off the heels off of Moonrise Kingdom, that was one I really liked, but I had to like go back later and watch it and think about like, I know I really liked it. Let's try to identify why. This one I didn't have to. I feel like, it, like if I go back to Rushmore, I it's still a great movie, but the newer ones are so much more, he's in his own world completely <laughs> now and he's executing like and yeah. i think bottle rocket's a little more like he hadn't quite become himself yet but definitely there's a hint of it in rushmore still to me like mm-hmm. yeah he's got the crazy curtains and the symmetrical shots and some of the the staples that we think of if someone said what does a wes anderson movie look like but yeah um I don't know. I'd probably go back and watch it, and I'd be like, no, Rushmore's amazing. <laughs> yeah, every time I watch Rushmore, each scene I think is perfectly done, so I like I can never argue with it. It's more not like, it's not like Rushmore's getting worse. It's like the others are just catching up, I guess is how I would say. Because yeah. um, I do think Rushmore's a masterpiece, and I'll watch every scene in that, and you can study it forever, too. Um, just his execution of it, you know, and his camera work and everything. Um, and he's gotten better at it. So is he also going then. to... Not only continue to work with the same actors, but just add more every time. <laughs> <laughs> How many different ways can we get them to do something? Has, um, has Clooney been in a Wes Anderson movie yet? Just Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, that's right. Um, I knew he was. With him and Meryl Streep is like two people I would love to see in like a regular movie <laughs> yeah. too, working with Wes Anderson. Oh. Um, but yeah, I love Budapest. That's one of my favorites of the year easily. I don't think he's made a bad movie. No, I've never had problems with him. I'm a hipster. <laughs> um, this is not going. <laughs> then out. let's go to this one. This is maybe it's we've had too much positivity. So <laughs> <laughs> take it down for us. I, I have haven't to seen say, this. 
Has Kenneth Branagh directed great movies? All of his Shakespeare stuff I love. Okay. Besides Shakespeare? <laughs> um, what's this movie, Dead Again, I remember liking? Oh, is that the early 90s? Yeah, I haven't watched it since then. The reincarnating it's like him, lover-killer pair. Him and Emma Thompson switched bodies 50 years later, and they is find out. Is that the out. twist, though? <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, they didn't switch bodies. They were reincarnated as the other. Yeah. So he directed, he's directing, it's movies you're like, wait, he directed them? But yeah, Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. Oh, so very, very. When you want to reboot a franchise, go get Chris Pine. So I put this below Three Days to Kill. I put it below Nonstop. Yeah, it feels like it's that caliber of a movie. You can't turn your brain off. It's just bad. And I think the worst part in the film is Kenneth Branagh himself (laughs) as the forced, exaggerated Russian accent. Villain. Oh, no. He directed himself to that. Yeah, and so the computer stuff is distractingly... I mean, I'm a techie, so maybe other people can turn their brain off for that, but it was just not good. Oh, no. Keira Knightley, for some reason, and Kevin Costner, for some reason. Oh, part of his comeback, <laughs> So yeah. it's got a, like a cast that would make you go, oh, maybe there's some real... They got a good script behind this, or you know, they were able to gather some clout around this. It's not Tyler Perry playing the Along Came a Spider Detective, whatever his name is. Yeah. That uh, Morgan Freeman used yeah. to play. Oh. Uh, it's Alex Cross. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, very disappointed in Jack Ryan. I wanted a, you know, like a $2, like I'm just going to have fun with a cha- an action movie with some good sequences. And it didn't even give you that. Didn't give me that. Oh, Chris Pine. Chris Pine. To me, he's boring. <laughs> just like if he's there, sorry, Chris. I know you're you an like avid listener. Kirk? I might work with you someday. I think he's functional as Kirk. To me, like no offense, rest in peace, Paul Walker. Like he's just the next. Like oh, it's a pretty blonde dude who he can decently act and do stuff. But like, I do think nothing cries like special. I got to see what this guy does I next. I do think if I call out the Star Trek cast, he's outclassed by his surrounding actors easily. Yeah. Um, Simon Pegg and who, what's the name the guy, the guy Zachary Quinto. Yeah, Quinto yeah. like they're they're incredible and then you get Cumberbatch in there so. and Zoe Saldana not green skin not allowed to be funny <laughs> <laughs> she also very serious in Star Trek movies yeah um, oh well so those are the movies I saw That's that were 2014 movies the anything else from your list that is worth I mean, I'm not going to add everything I've seen at theaters this year, but I'll add stuff that I liked. Um, Hang on, give me a sec as I get through there. Well, I'll take a break to say, uh, (laughs) (laughs) if you want to see some show notes on this episode, head to pseudobookpodcast.com slash 009. And we'll be there. Yeah, leave comments and stuff. Come on. Um, what did I really like? I mean, we went over a few of them, and then I just saw Calvary, which I talked about already a little bit. Um, Calvary's done by the brother of the guy who did In Bruges. Oh, um, so that's how Brendan Gleeson ended up in it. Yeah, so his they he his first movie came out a couple years ago called The Guard, and I love that. And so this is kind of his next one, um, and it's about a priest. It's just the opening scene of the movie, so it doesn't spoil anything, but a priest is in confession, and whoever is in there with him says, I'm going to kill you next week, because not because you're a bad priest, because you're a good one. <laughs> so then the whole movie is the week leading up to, like, 
he's been called upon to die for the Catholic Church because of what the Catholic Church has done. Huh. Um, so it's like just watching him come to terms with that, and then like you get to see like does he does he go through like stages of like he doesn't believe it at first, and <laughs> does he go meet the killer because he says I'll see you on the beach in seven days. Like, does he even go to the beat? Like, it seems like he has to for the for a movie for the movie to go. Um, but it's like super well done. Like the writing, I love, and Brendan Gleeson is a huge teddy bear that I would watch do anything, <laughs> anyways. And then, and then also just you can't not be thinking about it after you leave. Um, so that's one that I think is probably going to be on demand pretty soon too, because it's just like going to be a New York, LA thing, and then for a few weeks, yeah. and then they'll put it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I didn't see anything that I'm really enthusiastic about. I guess this fall might have a little more yeah, to I offer. Yeah, I think just looking at my list, even though I liked a lot of these movies, I don't feel comfortable like picking a favorite because they're all kind of like, most of them we won't think about that much after this year. No, yeah, I'm not going to go back and hunt them down and watch them again. Like they, they, oh, Most of these are going to be like, oh, it's on TV, I'll, I'll let it go for a bit while I do something on my laptop. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I might go see Grand Budapest again at some point. Probably just wait for the Criterion edition and watch that. Um, Lego Movie, if it's on, I'll watch it because it's fun. Yeah, and and then Calvary, I do have to see again because I want to keep studying it. But um, otherwise, nothing that made me go like, "Oh man, finally another good, great movie to add to your list of great movies." <laughs> and The Purge Anarchy, loved it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So, if we switch over to upcoming movies, I have to say, I think right now, just, I don't know, if I thought about it harder, I might come to a different decision. I think I'm most excited about Interstellar. Yeah, I have to say that, too. Um, I'm, like, officially declaring I don't want to know anything. I'm not reading anything. I'm not watching trailers, because I want that experience. And does Nolan cut his own trailers anyway? I think he's very much, yeah. I know Fincher does, which means his trailers are not only great trailers, but they also don't spoil the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, like Gone Girl is another one on the list that, I mean, of course we're going to go see that too. It's sort of getting to the point where, like, the only bad Fincher movie I can think of, bad in quotes, is like Alien 3, and it's not really his (laughs) fault. Yeah. Like, he had a ton of interference and probably didn't have any clout then to do it. Yeah, he he didn't get to do what he wanted with the movie, so he's like, oh, now I got to turn the movie in. All right. Like, it's a. Fine, you can screen that, but it's not what I was going to do. Really interesting premise, like a prison culture. Like, (laughs) there's lots of. Anyway, we weren't here to talk about Alien 3. Yeah, and because he didn't pull it off I mean yeah if you would have it probably would have been my favorite alien so Um, yeah Gone Girl even yeah just Fincher's name on it is almost enough yeah it's enough maybe someday I'll have some missteps and we'll stop trusting it but for now it's like yeah yeah. anything he does yeah it's a film it's a film school every time you watch it anyways Um, so yeah between those two those are probably my two yeah. Number one of the fall. I'll definitely, I mean, and I love, I'm a big fan of the Hobbit movies. I don't care if it's not canon or it's not like, I just film. have a blast at them and I love Martin Freeman to death. So I can't wait for the Hobbit. Yeah. And I'm asked the president split the third one into two movies. <laughs> I keep waiting. I'm like, wait, they're doing four. Like they got to kill a dragon. There's some other fight too, right? 
Uh, and that's why I get that confused with Hunger Games, which they did split the third book into two movies. So, like, we're only getting half of the end of Hunger Games. Is there any is... way The Hobbit feels happy at the end if it's going to try to force itself to tie into Lord of the Rings? It can't, right? It has well, to they just can be happy with, for the like... dwarves, but it has the cloud over it. <laughs> but then with, and then, I mean, spoiler, if you haven't read The Hobbit, there's a lot of people who are going to die. Like, nobody's died yet in these two movies. Like, yeah, they waited. All of the dwarves are fine. <laughs> Yeah, so I think I don't know. It'll be interesting. Like obviously, they, they can kill their invented character. They exactly. Well, they, I'm sure they will. That's why he's like he is in the Lord of the Rings. But yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they go with that. Yeah, I'm happy with everybody them. dying and then him coming home. Like, oh, I think it's just harder to get excited about him like it was the original trilogy. Yeah, no, I don't let myself like get hyped and want to go to a midnight screening of it. But I'm still just like knowing that I'll have fun with it and. I do. I always. I was wondering the other day. Not always. Um, what if they could have shot these in the other order? Done the Hobbit first. Had bright fun without the 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 urge to make them gloomy. Yeah, it'd be very. And interesting. And then you could get to Lord of the Rings, and then the so you could end the Hobbit in a more open-ended way of, like, they're just happy. He had an amazing adventure. Yeah, and that's what we're, the story and we're telling. And then they could start Fellowship of the Ring, and you people would have this rich background. If yeah, only. it's so weird, the prequel-itis of, like, well, we got to start setting things up because they already know what's going to... And that's, like, the problem with prequels is, like, the inevitability of it all is, like, well, we knew he was going to become Vader, so duh. <laughs> Um, All they, that's the only thing they had to do convincingly in the Star Wars prequels was make us believe he, <laughs> he became had Vader. one job. And yeah. I think they didn't do a very good job. <laughs> no. He did get destroyed by that CGI lava flow. Though. So not to spend time on each of these, but there's a bunch of other movies I'll probably see. Yeah, buzzworthy. Hunger Games, I'm just going to see all those. So they're splitting the Yeah, they're book. well done. I enjoy those. And I think they've gotten the second one was better. Second was so much better than the first one too. And it wasn't herky jerky. Seymour's gone. Yep, I'm wondering what they're going to do with that. Yeah, because I have read the books. Um, Sin City's getting a sequel. I don't know. I can't. I don't know. Um, The Giver looks kind of. I'm curious, but The Giver is just because it's a book I read in ninth grade. That's the only draw I have to it. (laughs) Because otherwise, it looks like yet another teen fiction. Yeah, where there's a divergent thing. There's a utopia, and only teenagers could rebel against it and be special. And so, and that's too bad. It looks like The Giver was made before these were a a hype hip thing. But yeah, Jeff Bridges looks really fun in it, but nothing else. He's why I will see it if I go to see it. And is it Meryl Streep that's in that? Is she? I forget. There's someone... I've barely watched the someone trailer. Someone eyebrow-raising that you're like, oh. Yeah. Um, there's another teen movie with weird... Based on a book is Maze Runner. I don't know if you saw that trailer. Mm-hmm. I read half the book, and I was like, you know, that's how much I've thought of the book, but I think it's a really great premise for a movie, and the trailer <laughs> does look pretty good. Um, but then I don't know if it's going to suffer from being a movie for teens like the, all these other ones. So yeah, but that's like getting a lot of buzz and people they've screened it for. I think they screened it at Comic Con. I mean, obviously they're biased, but it supposedly like blew the roof off and everybody loved it. So the wild card movie for me this fall is Birdman. Yeah, um, this movie looks fascinating to me. It looks like very surreal, very in his head. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I never know how to say that director's name, but Inarutu. Inarutu. What else did he do? 
Um, do you do music videos? He looks like he probably had some background in something. 21 like Grams. Oh, um, Sean Penn. What's the... Uh, I don't know, let me just look it up, but... Yeah, go on, Birdman. So, uh, Michael Keaton as an aging actor who portrayed a superhero called Birdman, but it's not... It looks... It's not just like some drama of some sad actor. It looks like they're very surreal in his head. He's got... There's this other voice in his head in the trailer, and... There's lots of little, I keep using the word surreal, flourishes. Um, it's not a strictly realist film. Like, he walks into a hallway, and there's, like, animated birds in a fog at the end of it, and he goes floating away. And you're, there's clearly moments where he's reenacting superhero movements and stuff's blowing up in the street, but it's in his head. But, like, it just looks, like, really artfully and interestingly produced. So at least... Whether or not yeah, the narrative... It looks like a movie that will make everybody go, Michael Keaton, where have you been? Come back. Yeah. Even though he's been around and done a lot of bad B-movies. And I think it's safe to say, even if the narrative doesn't hold up, the production will be fascinating enough to carry me through a viewing. Yeah. So he's he got famous here for Amoros Peros, and then uh, uh, okay. 21 Grams and Babel. Oh, Babel. Yeah. Babel was okay. So... Um, but uh, yeah, it wasn't so much of this experience that you get in the trailer of like what he's doing visually. It's kind of more of almost like a Gondry so, kind of a thing. So if you haven't seen it, go and watch the Birdman trailer and then get ready to buy a ticket. Yeah, that looks great. Um, Inarut, in, <laughs> I could. Sorry, all my Mexican friends. Inaritu, I N with a ny over it. A R R I T U. Um, so, Just because you haven't heard this name since Babel in America. I mean, he did Beautiful, but not anybody saw that. Have you about them? Uh, right. So that's about it for my list. Is there anything we're missing? Maybe that's something to throw to the audience if you made it through this whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking forward to? Me. Do you disagree with any of our takes? Yeah. Yeah, for me, number one in the fall is Interstellar. And then... Gone Girl and Birdman. Well, no one just knows how to hit that sweet spot of, I don't don't want to say commercial, but like everyone can enjoy his films, Mm -hmm. but they're still great as films. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's the Spielberg lineage or something. Yeah, and because he writes, him or his brother, whoever is behind it, like he writes stuff that hasn't been done before and he's interested in telling new things in new ways and that's what always gets me on board, so... And he, but he matches it with the production. And third yeah. Batman aside, like he tends to deliver every single time. Yeah. So, well, that was, uh, I guess that's the Pseudobook podcast on the films of 2014. Yeah, we got some good interviews lined up for the fall. Um, we may not be as often as we'd like with the podcast, but we'll keep it up. We'll get a schedule down. I'll have a regular schedule now, too. Um, should be interesting and maybe we can find people to do this. And that's kind of one call I wanted to make. If you're still listening, we'd love to interview anybody with any kind of creative process and talking about, you know, how you approach your work. And it doesn't have to be film or music. Like most of our guests, if you do anything else, artistic, get in touch. Yeah. Or, you know, someone probably more, more the case of like, my friend is so good at this. Yeah. Check send this us a, send us a contact. We'll invite them and could set something up. So, so where can people find you on the internet? Uh, all over. I am pseudo Justin. So you can find me on Twitter there and holla at your boy. <laughs>
And you can find me at M. Edwards Music on Twitter or pseudomichael.com. I have not yet aligned all my names. <laughs> Probably never will. But and you can find show notes at pseudobookpodcast.com. We have a bunch of other episodes, so check it out. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Yeah, podcasts. All right. All right. Talk to you later. <laughs>